Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 233 of the podcast for October 14th, 2015. Today's guest is Katie Anderson, and we're talking about her experiences living in Tokyo for 18 months and what she's learning about lean culture, Japanese culture, and how those aren't always one and the same. I first met Katie a few years back through the Healthcare Value Network and our participation in that collaborative. She is an experienced lean healthcare practitioner, coach, and consultant, having worked for Stanford Children's Hospital and the Palo Alto Medical Foundation before starting her own consulting practice. So Katie has been generously sharing her experiences in Japan and her reflections on her blog. And I highly recommend that you can find it at www.kbjanderson.com. And you can also find her on Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you want to find links to all of that, you can go to leanblog.org slash 233. One other thing I want to mention is, you know, on the topic of visiting Japan, and we'll, we'll talk about this later in the episode, I am again working with Kaizen Institute to arrange a lean healthcare study trip um, to Japan. Uh, it's going to be held December seventh uh, to eleventh, uh, twenty fifteen. If you'd like to learn more and uh, maybe uh, be able to register for that trip, you can go to www.japanleantrip.com. Katie, hello, and uh, I guess I should say konnichiwa. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast today. Thanks, Mark. Konnichiwa to you as well. So I'm um, really excited to talk to you about what you're um, seeing and experiencing in Japan. Um, before we get in, into that and what you're seeing, can you maybe just start off by telling the listeners um, about your background uh, in, in healthcare, how you got involved with Lean, things like that? Sure. Well, I've always been in healthcare for my entire career. I started off more on the policy side, but got really into healthcare operations a little over a decade ago. And about 10 years ago, I got introduced to lean thinking, and I became really passionate about the concepts of how you develop people uh, and improve processes at the same time. I was working at Stanford Children's Hospital and helped bring lean thinking to the organization there, uh, and was there for almost six years before moving to the Palo Alto Medical Foundation, where I headed up the lean promotion office under James Hereford. Uh, and that was really exciting. And then I started my own consulting practice so that I could work with a broader variety of healthcare clients. And then I had this opportunity to move to Japan, which uh, I was super excited for, to be able to learn about uh, lean from the roots and see uh, and contribute to the broader body of knowledge and start writing about what I'm learning. Yeah, and I've, I've really enjoyed your blog posts and um, I'm glad you've been sharing uh, that journey with, uh, at least with uh, the folks who've been reading. I'm sure um, from the podcast here, you'll pick up uh, some new readers, um, encourage people to go back and catch up on uh, your earlier posts. Um, so you're in Japan um, partway through, a, a, is it a one-year stint? Is that correct? It's about 18 months. 18 it months. could could be a little longer. We moved here in January for my husband's job. And so what we're, we're in October now. So we will be here at least through the end of uh, the school year, and then we'll see after that. So I'm uh, pursuing many contacts and trying to get out to Gemba to learn and see as much as I can while I do have this opportunity. Yeah, and you're in Tokyo for this. I am in for this day. Yes, yes. So you're you're not only learning, um, you know, what, uh, the the differences with 
with life in Japan, but like you mentioned, getting to go to the Gemba and um, and see what people are doing and, and to learn from people. I, what are what were some of your initial observations about lean as, as practiced in, in Japan? Was there anything that was, was surprising to you or what were some of the things that jumped out at you? Yeah, so one of the biggest surprises to me, and I, I knew this uh, conceptually, but it really struck me once coming out here, that lean is not inherently Japanese. I think in the U.S. and other Western cultures, we you know we hear of all the Japanese roots from uh, of lean and the Toyota production system, and perhaps assume that it maybe was easier here in Japan. But as I hear uh, other colleagues talk about the challenges that they have uh, in their just typical Japanese companies, or by going out and seeing with my own eyes of uh, either companies practicing lean or not that it is not inherently Japanese in, or easy for uh, the Japanese culture. So can you elaborate on that? I mean, what, what, are, the, what are some of the elements of, of nor typical Japanese culture or Japanese business culture that uh, maybe run counter to what we would recognize as TPS or lean thinking? Certainly, the, you know, to me, one of the, the foundational and fundamental concepts that uh, of the Toyota production system or lean uh, that I think is one of the most important is the concept of developing people and how do we get people to be problem solvers? How do we as leaders help support the people who work with and for us to solve the problems in their areas? In contrast, typical Japanese business culture is really about the leader being in command and control that um, giving the answer and telling people what to do. Uh, and in many, many companies in Japan, people really expect their the answers to come from above rather than themselves working on solving solving problems within their even their own scope of responsibility i went out to talk to the director of the toyota production system promotion office sort of my similar role when i was um, at some healthcare organizations about how they develop people at toyota and one of the questions i asked him was you know this concept of what did he think was different between Toyota culture and typical Japanese business culture? And that's actually a really hard question for many Japanese to answer because most of them spend their whole lives or whole careers in one organization. But he'd actually worked in another company before coming to Toyota. And he said that uh, at Toyota they're developed on uh, they're focused on developing people and it, typical Japanese businesses are really focused on people just giving the right answer. Uh, mm. And, you know, I thought that was really, really powerful. He had this good comment of if you always ask for success, then people will lie. And I think you <laughs> see that. Uh, that was I, I thought it was really profound. It, and it really speaks to some of the challenges some other companies like Toshiba are having right now with like scandals of people really lying because they were focused on the outcome rather than the process. And, and people were lying that it was um, about misstating financial results. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So they wanted to, they, they had a certain target and that became more important than actually how they were reaching the target. That's a pretty big deal. So there's some other so I, I think to me, that was the, the biggest uh, aha around the difference of lean and Toyota production system rather than how Japanese businesses are conducted. 
but I think there are also some elements that are from Japanese culture that are supportive, such as the, the kata routines and people are so used to an everyday life. There are There is a process in a way, in a rhythm that things happen. And so being able to follow standard work or to have uh, have processes that are laid out and defined may come more naturally to them than say in American culture where people are, you know, they want to do their own thing. Yeah. And uh, I guess that would kind of maybe point to the idea of um, following standardized work as being uh, a strength because there's, there's, a, there's a routine, mm. there's, there's a, a practice or a discipline, or maybe it comes from respect or fear of, um, like I said, a top, even at a top down, kind of environment, people might follow the routine because they're afraid they'll get in trouble as opposed to maybe more of a lean environment where they're following the standard because they understand why it's helpful or because it, you know it's because it's beneficial to them. I guess that's um, you, you might see discipline um, in, in a lean or a non lean culture, right? Mm, yes, I think it's a really interesting uh, observation, Mark, and it, it goes to one of the things that's challenging Japanese companies right now is that this lack of innovation, because people are so focused on just following the rules and this is the way things have always been done, that the country as a whole is really uh, suffering from lack of innovation. And a woman who does some work in, in the US on Japanese cultural differences in businesses, had an she wrote an interesting blog about how calling it the Silicon Valley way and actually using lean as lean thinking is the Silicon Valley way. And now it needs to come back to Japan. <laughs> I think that's so true. It's been, we've almost taken some of these concepts and, and run with it in a different way with, uh, with all the agile concepts and, and applying lean thinking to product development. So how does, how does Japan now use their strengths, but also continue to be innovative? There's a, Sorry, I didn't. There's a company that I went to that uh, it may, in many ways was not a lean thinking company, but they had. But in the true fundamentals about how you develop people and support problem solving, they were, and they they had this motto that the only rules is no rules hmm. because they wanted to get people outside of the thinking of that they had to follow the rules and not um, not think outside the box. So that was their way to try and spark innovation which of course they had rules and, and routines, but they really wanted to get outside that Japanese cultural norm of, I just follow what's in front of me, the kata, the, kata, the routine, uh, and not, not seeking to innovate. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting to see in um, you know, the area where you used to live or in, in, in San Francisco in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley, the lean startup movement um, takes familiar lean principles and applies it to uh, being innovative, but being innovative, not, and thinking back to something you said earlier, it's not about just being innovative and saying, ah, I have the answer, let's take it to market. It's more about this process of um, learning and discovering and mm -hmm. iterating and being wrong and then getting a little bit more right as you go. Um, I, I think that that's uh, an in interesting contrast between, um, or it reminds me of how you describe kind of traditional company versus a lean organization. Mm. It all gets back to how becoming more effective learning organizations yeah. and having everyone working on that. Yeah, because, you know, Toyota, I mean, I think has done, you know, some very innovative things um, along the way. So I think, you know, for anyone to say, well, a company that has 
good processes and standardized work somehow can't be innovative. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, that that's that's something that we might learn to, to not be mm. correct either. I agree. And and Toyota is very different than a lot of typical companies because they have put in place and been practicing these lean thinking concepts for so many years and really focused on that. How do we learn? Even if they make mistakes, how do we learn? I think one of the things I and I learned just a little bit about this idea when I was um, in Japan, you've been there much, much longer than uh, than my short visits. They talked about the idea of uh, harmony and how mm. important that is in Japanese culture. And somebody like yourself or like me, you know, by, by just being there, we're disturbing the harmony of a very homogeneous um, Japanese culture. Um, but I'm, I'm curious what you've run across either at organizations you've visited or just uh, in life in general in Japan, this idea of harmony and how, uh, you know, speaking up to point out a problem or have an idea about Kaizen um, disturbs harmony and is uncomfortable. Mm to many. Have you, have you enc encountered that idea? So the concept of harmony or what really is yeah. pervasive um, here in, in Japan. And in many ways it makes living here very easy because everything runs very smoothly and you, it's predictable on how people will behave. Um, I haven't personally experienced I, I know by being a, a foreigner, I definitely, we just naturally disrupt the wah mm -hmm. by going into organizations, especially when we, I, you know, as Americans might ask for, or, you know, Westerners expect that, you know, maybe we could ask for tomatoes on the side or mm -hmm. two, two flavors of ice cream in our to-go cup, um, which I actually wrote about because that is not allowed. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, I've... the. The concept of of wa being disrupted, I do think I mean, you made a really good point on one of my uh, blog posts about how the Andon chord was in many ways a countermeasure to this this concept of speaking up, and I really I, I thought that was a, you know probable uh, reason why they they moved it to being a chord that was pulled rather than having to say something, mm -hmm. um, but to really use that trigger to speak up that it's okay to point out something that isn't going going well. Yeah, uh, but then I, I hear you know my husband and other people here talk about how a challenge being a foreigner working in a company that's predominantly Japanese people that getting people to speak up in meetings, um, having people say really what's on their mind is is very challenging. It's not natural because of this real desire to keep the harmony and the peace. Mm. So. Um I want to change directions a little bit here. I mean, we've, we've, I, I think you've helped establish a little bit that we, we can't view Japanese organizations as being all identical or all lean. Um, I'm, I'm curious in the visits that you've made, um, if you can tell us, maybe, well, maybe let's start by talking about healthcare organizations and um, um, what you've seen or what you're not seeing, what your impressions have been. So I've only had a chance to go into one hospital so far. Hmm. I am in the process of trying to get to some other uh, site visits. Interestingly, it's been very hard to go in um, to get a Gemba visit to two hospitals. People seem to be very um, sort of closed off to visitors. Hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm working some connections there. But even in, from talking to people who work in healthcare and going to visit this one hospital uh, that is actually probably the most advanced in terms of lean thinking in the country, it's, it's very 
uh, it's more focused on the, the, the tools or doing Kaizen events rather than the real cultural transformation uh, at this point. So it's, I really don't see a lot of lean thinking applied to healthcare or in other service industries here. Uh, talking to a variety of people, including former Toyota executives, it, it really seems to be focused in the manufacturing areas. And the people think in the service or healthcare industries, oh, that it's, we can't really apply these principles. We're, we're different. So that doesn't, that doesn't change regardless if you're in Japan or another country that um, every industry thinks they're different. Yeah, and and like you said earlier, it's uh, everyone thinks, oh, this would be easy if we were a hospital mm. in Japan. Uh, yeah. Um, so, I'm excited though. This this hospital that is the most advanced in I think doing lean thinking. They have a partnership with Virginia Mason up in Seattle and are hosting a conference in a few weeks about lean thinking in healthcare, and I'll be attending. So stay tuned. I'll be writing about what I'm learning. Oh, great! That's great. Um, have you been able to visit, um, I know you've been to Toyota and spent time with some Toyota people. Have there been other manufacturing companies that you've been able to go visit? Has that been any easier? So I've been able to go on some study trips, um, visited three other organizations uh, who have been using lean thinking. One was the organization that I talked about that had, professes to have no rules. Mm -hmm. And I thought that, that was the site visit that I enjoyed the most because I think they have some uh, quirky ways of applying lean thinking, but having some great outcomes. I mean, they are the, the leader in their industry here. Uh, and I visited two others. And I'm in process right now of um, hopefully getting on some more study trips uh, over the next few months. Yeah, so um, I look forward to hearing about that. Um... On, on the blog, and, and can you talk a little bit about some of the exposure that you've had? Um, you mentioned earlier some of the exposure you've had to uh, some Toyota people, if you have mm. any stories or kind of lessons um, or insights from them. I have been spending, thanks, I've been spending some time with Sao Yoshino, who was one of John Shook's first managers when he was working out in uh, Japan in Toyota Motor City. And he's just been a great resource uh, and uh, insights and knowledge about Toyota and lean thinking. We spent a few days together and I have plans to go visit him again before the end of the year. You know, for, he really sums up in our talks, like the, the true, what I see is like the, the, the core of lean about really focused on how do you develop people? And that is just fundamentally the most important thing that we're here to do. It's really all about the principles and how do we ask questions and how do we show up as leaders in service to helping other people develop. And through that, that we're gonna be able to solve the business problems in front of us and, and create value for our customers. So yeah, Yoshino has been my guide on some visits to in Nogoya. We've gone out, we've been driving all around Nogoya and visited um, both Toyota uh, as well as some of Toyota's museums, which has been really, really interesting. Yeah, the 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 yeah the the main uh, Toyota Technology Museum in Nagoya is a really cool place to go. It, it is cool, and you get to see all. It's basically this whole uh, former factory that has all of the, the history of loom making, because Toyota the Toyota family started off as um, as loom loom factory and see the, the innovation that the comp that was developed and how to really advance 
the loom technology and then how that led to moving into the automobile industry. And it was just very cool to go see the demonstrations. Yeah. And, and to see where some of the origins around um, error proofing and Jadoka mm. um, enter into uh, what, what you know now we would call TPS. I mean, those origins predate the uh, Toyota company building cars, which um, is probably surprising to a lot of people. Yes. Although, you know, one of the things, too, I saw a video, actually, it was down in the Kyushu uh, Toyota factory, but it was talking about the transition from making, doing the looms to going into the automobile industry and then trying to bring some of those principles into the company. And that the, the video said, even the workers were still resisting the change. They didn't like the change. Uh, and I just was, I laughed because I thought, well, this is just so true to any of us. Change is hard. Yeah. Um, and how things were done before is not how it's done now. But, you know, yeah. as leaders, we just have to work through that change and see where Toy Toyota is now. So yeah, it's it wasn't part... even, even easy, easy back then. Yeah, I mean, that, that's part of the, the <laughs> universal condition or I'm just chuckling because I'm imagining there must have been somebody at the Toyota uh, uh, car our factory who said well this doesn't apply to us we don't make weaving looms yeah right <laughs> was probably right. the we... first instance of someone saying hey <laughs> we're different toyota principles don't apply to us that, that's right um the fundamentals of human nature right yeah yeah um so what, what have you learned um you know one of my favorite um topics i mean it's such a core part of lean and, and tps is um, the idea of uh, Kaizen, um, you know, we touched on it earlier as a, um, you know, something that I think, you know, uh, builds upon standardized work and may or may not be present in um, all Japanese organizations. What, are there any lessons you've learned or anything interesting you've seen uh, around the idea or the spirit of Kaizen? So in all the organizations that I've seen so far that um, really have been applying the principles, the in addition to developing people, the other core element is that they are very focused on daily Kaizen, creating a culture of continuous improvement where people, the frontline workers are, are involved and supported in doing improvements uh, as, as part of their daily work and have really found out a way that this is like, do, they don't have lean programs per se, uh, although some of them do have more like lean departments that help support this in the organization, but it's they've really figured out daily Kaizen. And I've been studying Japanese as well and learning some kanji. And I learned that uh, Kaizen comes from the two kanji characters, meaning change and good. Right. And then change means self-whip. So it comes from self and whip. And I thought that was so true that, you know, this concept of change, we have to like whip ourselves to change and change for the good. Uh, so daily Kaizen can be applied to an organization, but it also really could be applied to ourselves and how are we, how are we all contributing to that change for the good? Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've heard that, that idea of, um, self whip or, uh, it's almost this idea of somehow self flagellation. And I still, I tell you, I don't understand the context of that. It, it's not, it's not meant to be, mm. I, I'm, I'm curious. It's, it almost sounds like, oh, uh, uh, you're hard on yourself because you're not doing things well, but that doesn't that doesn't seem like that. Mm. It would be it would be quite that. I'm, I'm curious where the imagery, or the symbolism of of the whip mm. uh, comes from. So this would have happened like you know hundreds of years ago when mm -hmm. the Japanese were actually creating a writing language and had borrowed from the Chinese. So I don't know of the origins, but I I sort of don't 
take it. You can see it two ways. One is like you're whipping yourself the self-flagellation, but I see it as, is like, you know, you yourself, you have to like make yourself do the change. You have to have intention. You need mm -hmm. to be focused and uh, maybe not like whipping yourself in pain, but kind of giving yourself motivation to change for the good. And uh, yeah, so I'm thinking of a jockey yes. whipping a horse. I know some people don't like that. Uh, yeah, no, I know, um, I agree. Uh, maybe whip in the air, let's get, get the energy going. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm sure, it, but I'm sure the origins actually were self-whip um, for change. You know, if you think hundreds of years ago when these, the written language is being developed. Is uh, uh, you, that is very intriguing, Ali? Too. I'll, I'll dig in a little bit more. Okay. Okay. No, I mean it's it's fascinating. And um, you know, when you said you know some some organizations at least are getting really good at figuring out uh, daily kaizen, daily improvement. You know, one thing that I've seen over there, um, not not just in um, the hospitals, I think, but four um, different hospitals and, and different organizations that a lot of organizations do have a formal TQM program and they still mm. call it that. And they say, oh, we've been doing TQM for for 20 years. Um, and, and some of them are layering some lean tools on top of that tra tradition and foundation of of, of TQM. But I, one thing I thought was interesting is that for a lot of organizations, Kaizen was sort of like a really dragged out Kaizen event that mm. took six months. And, um, you know, it wasn't dedicated full time, but it was more like a committee and a team that got together and met and did very, um, you know, rigorous, um, you know, it's like, you know, doing an A3 over time, but that was really their main improvement mode. You know, everyone does two six month projects a year. And mm. some of them were realizing that, oh, well, yeah, we could also improve the little stuff that doesn't require uh, a six month long project. So I thought it was interesting to see that, um, you know, if you're looking to generalize and say, oh, I bet all Japanese companies do the word Kaizen mm. because they know the word Kaizen mm. and it has meaning, but it doesn't mean they all really do what we would, you and I are calling daily continuous improvement, right? I would, I would agree with that. I think uh, I've seen some organizations, particularly you know, talking to people in healthcare, that Kaizen, the term, in, is, is applied more to these longer term projects. But the organization, the more manufacturing organizations that I've visited, the way they've applied Kaizen is more focused on the daily continuous improvement. They do use the word Kaizen as well to describe longer term projects, but they, mm -hmm. they add another word to differentiate the, the the concept of kaizen. What do you, what is that word? Do you know? I don't actually know. Ah, okay, but it's a different. It's a slight. It's a similar but slightly. I mean, I guess it's the way we might modify the the word kaizen to call it a kaizen event. It's kind of like kaizen, mm, yes. but it's different, right? Yes, they call it. This one organization they called them like three month kaizens, or but I can't remember what it was in Japanese. But it, they used kaizen as part of the the phrase to describe what they were doing, but. They differentiated that it wasn't the daily kaizen that they also talked about. Ah, okay. Um, so I want to come back. Uh, you used the word intention, and, and that's something that you've blogged about, and I thought was interesting. Um, tell us more about that concept and what that word uh, represents. So intention has really become, uh, to me, a, an anchor point for when I'm coaching people in, in healthcare or other, or other types of organizations about how they're creating their own personal change. 
And how do we have intention about what we're going to do and create greater awareness of what are the what are the habit, new habits I want to create? If I want to be a lean leader, what does that mean? First, I need to find that and create some intention of how to move there. I decided to use the kanji, the Japanese characters, for uh, the word intention on my business cards, on my meishi. I, I didn't have a logo, and um, I find the word so powerful and important um, for what we're doing about creating change personally or organizationally. And I learned that the word intention or the kanji characters in, in, Japan, in Japanese come from the first kanji is means heart or personal mission, and the second element uh, means direction. And I, I liked actually how, you know, I, I'd chosen the, the word before I knew this, but I, I do like it's your personal mission and the direction in which you're going. So you need to set your intention for where you want to go, who you want to be, and then how do you practice and create new habits to get there? Is, is it similar to uh, a personal true north in a way? Yes, I, you know, it's a good, a good way to describe it. You know, what is your intention, your, the direction you want to go that's focused on your, your, your personal mission? Uh, and you could say the true north is the organizational mission and the direction. Hmm. Okay. It's a good, good alignment. Yeah. So um, I, I, this is something I don't really know much about when you talk about the Meiji and, and the cards. Can you explain the, the importance of that within within business culture? Why or uh, what was it important or necessary to choose a character for your cards? So Meishi, the business cards are incredibly important here. Um, I have actually gone through more business cards in the last uh, <laughs> 10 months than I have collectively probably my entire career. Uh, you use your business cards as a calling card, and there is a ritual, a kata, to how you present your business card to other people. And, uh, you know, I've had some gaffes where I presented mine lower or higher, the wrong, oh. you know, the, the, the wrong level. So, you know, there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of uh, rule, a lot of rules that go around with the presentation of the meishi. But one of the elements of exchanging meishis is that people want to make com uh, the polite thing to do is you receive the meishi and then you make a comment about the meishi. And so, opposed to just having my name and you know my address and my company's name on the card, I, I thought I would have a talking point, and it gives me a chance to especially with the Japanese to sort of say, oh, why did I choose intention? Or they often say, oh, that's interesting. What's that about? So it gives me a talking point. And then for people who don't speak Japanese, I think it just looks cool. <laughs> and, <laughs> so and, I, it's, it's just a design. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe can you send me a picture of uh, what that looks like? I can include it maybe in the blog post for this sure. podcast episode. Um, sure. So yeah, my faux pas was saying Meiji like the shrine. That was my hmm. slip of the tongue. <laughs> Meishi. I have my Japanese lesson after this. And <laughs> let me tell you, it's very easy to make mistakes. At least it's not a tonal language. Yeah. Uh, Chinese. Yeah. Yes. Um, so maybe let's transition and talk a little bit. I'm curious, um, just um, you know, before we wrap up here, some of your more general impressions of... Um, I'm sure living, being in Japan and not living in, a, you know, not being in a hotel for a week, you, you probably see a different mm -hmm. side of Japan, not just the tourist sites like the Meiji Shrine. Um, but uh, I'm just curious what you're experiencing uh, actually living there. So one of the, the things I was sort of an unexpected delight was that everyone here commutes on electric bicycles. Hmm. And it's one, it's a super safe and clean country and city. I mean, Tokyo is, it's so clean, 
and it's so easy to get around and you feel very safe. So in many ways, although it's an in-your-face, bright lights, big towers, big, big city, in some ways you feel like you're not in a big city, you're in a small town that takes care of itself. And then everyone's riding around on these electric bikes and uh, many of them, which mine does because I have two small children, has a kid seat in the front and a kid mm. seat in the back. And people cruise around the, the city in these on these bikes called Mamachari. And I think it's just unexpected delight. I'm a big cyclist and I miss riding my road bike, which is hard to do in a big city, but I get to ride around on my bike. Yeah. Uh, the other the other fabulous thing about being here is just the, the food is amazing. Not just yes. <laughs> Japanese food, but uh, all cuisines and from all ranges of uh, price ranges. You know, they have all the, Mich the so many Michelin star restaurants, but just your local ramen shop or izakaya mm -hmm. has amazing food uh, and at a, re at a reasonable rate. And so that's just a that's a great reason to come visit Japan. Yeah, and it's not uh, it's not all seafood and sushi. I think that's no. a mis uh, misunderstanding people have. There, there's such no. a variety of food and different types of Japanese mm. yeah, restaurants. Yes, a lot of grilled meats and grilled vegetables, uh, you know, the soups. Yes, the, it's a much broader variety of Japanese food than I had realized before, and then even other cuisines. And this is true even going outside. Outside of Tokyo, you're probably going to have more, or outside of the big cities, more just Japanese food, but it, the, the variety is, is amazing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of reflecting on, and, and then when you, when you moved there, that was really, that was your first opportunity to go to Japan as opposed to having done any previous visits. Is that right? I, I did go when I was in high school. My mm. aunt and uncle lived here, but yes, as an adult, uh, this is my, was my first visit. Yeah, because I, I was wondering because you know a lot of organizations, um, you know, I think right offhand, Virginia Mason Medical Center, Seattle Children's Hospital mm. send um, their their leaders and, and and staff and physicians on you know formal study trips to Japan. Um, I was I was uh, curious if if you had done that, but you know I think that, you know there's often a lot of really interesting debate around the idea of Japan trips, um, Japan study tours, because as, as we've you know talked about here, and I've tried to blog about you know my, my own impressions, I loved going to Japan, I've learned a lot, but it wasn't exactly the things I expected mm. to learn or take away from it. Um, you know, I think, you know, there are some people who are probably pretty diehard of like, well, no, you don't have to go to Japan, why don't you just go to Kentucky? Or why don't you go to Seattle? Uh, and learn from a lean organization there. And there's some who are really diehard of saying, oh, you must go, you can't understand it if if you go. Have, have you formed an opinion that's somewhere in that spectrum? Well, it's on the spectrum, I'd say I'm in the middle. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a tremendous value of coming out here and seeing the range of organizations from you know Toyota, who've been practicing for decades to other companies who are much farther ahead than than many companies would be in the United States because they too have been practicing lean principles for for a long time and also as I've talked about before really seeing that contrast to what we might think is just the way things are done in Japan versus wow companies who are Japanese lean thinking companies versus typical traditional Japanese business practices I think that's can provide a good contrast do you have to come to be able to be a lean thinker and to do, you know, to learn? Um, I, I don't, absolutely not. I think there are a lot of organizations in the U.S. and I hadn't gone before I'd been, you know, this opportunity to move to Japan. 
Uh, there's some great companies you can learn from in in the U.S., uh, but it is a really good chance to get away and see a variety, you know, step out of your own organization for a period of time and really see some companies who have been deeply practicing lean um, in a different environment. How yeah. about yourself? What's your, what are your, what are your thoughts? Well, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm squarely in the middle because, um, you know, it's, if, for the longest time I, you know, I had been learning lean and involved with lean, um, for uh, almost 20 years before, well, 16, no, 2012. So 17 years went before I first went to Japan. Um, I never felt horribly defensive about having not gone. You know, if people ask, oh, have you been to Japan? I'm like, well, no, but I'd love to someday. You know, it was always my answer. But, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate to learn from, you know, even going back to my days at GM uh, 20 years ago, uh, a plant manager who, uh, was one of the first GM people to get sent to the NUMI plant um, back in your neck of the woods in uh, Fremont, California to learn from the Toyota people. And so I felt like, yeah, I mean, I was learning secondhand, but I was learning from people who had learned pretty directly, mm. you know, from, from the Toyota influence in the U.S. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, since I've, I've gone um, and have been involved with, um, you know, Kaizen Institute trying to you know, help organize other tours. Um, I'm very appreciative for um, the opportunities to go. Uh, I, I, I think Japan is um, a fascinating place to visit, both professionally and personally. And you know, I've always sort of told people, I, I don't think you have to go, but if if you want to go, um, then you know, I would say go. And if you have good guides who can help you navigate, mm -hmm. I, I would have felt really lost i think just showing up without um guides between the language and culture and you know being able to get the door places yeah. so um but you know i still I, I i don't tell people oh you have to go i think it's more of, of if you want to and you have the time and you can afford to go or if you, you know your organization would sponsor you I, I i think it's great i you know i concur with your assessment at least the hospitals i saw they're not world beating lean organizations, but a lot of them do have very committed um, CEO leaders who are directly involved in quality improvement. And that, is, you know, there are great lessons to learn from them, even if they don't frame it mm. in formal terms of lean and TPS. So I think that's my my final takeaway from it. Uh, and and the food is amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right outside outside of the the lean tours, well, mm -hmm. I think your point too of having a good guide is is really critical. Uh, if you're going to go, it, it's many of these organizations you can't just go and show up. I mean, Toyota and some other organizations do have public tours, but to really get in to learn more requires some inside connections, which these different um, tour groups do have, and it's going to advance your your learning that much further. Uh, I think, uh, boy, we should we should probably uh, go ahead and wrap up here. But you know, maybe we can uh, do another podcast down the road as as you have more adventures and um, you know, kind of uh, you know, deepen the the understanding that that you're getting over there. Um, so maybe, maybe that's something we can do. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. I've uh, I definitely have some <laughs> good good learning opportunities in the works right now, and um, I'd love to share them with you and um, your audience. Yeah, and, and I. And I love getting the questions and feedback um, that I've been, you know, 
for on social media or through my blog, uh, people's questions help guide what I'm asking and looking for. So I really like the dialogue that has been that I've started to create and that you've helped contribute to too, Mark. Thank you. Sure. And and that's a perfect segue to asking how people can find you online and uh, your blog and social media if you want to share those addresses for people. Great. Thank you. Yeah. So my my blog is on um, kbj anderson kbjanderson.com um, my twitter handle is also at kbj anderson uh, you know i'm on linkedin and also but uh, if you, you find all my other contact information on, on my website well great and um, you know i uh, really appreciate you sharing what what you're uh, what you're seeing and learning um, seems like a really great opportunity you have with you and your family um, to be over there. Um, so uh, again, our guest has been Katie Anderson talking about uh, her time um, living and learning in Japan. Katie, thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you so much, Mark. Uh, it's been a pleasure of mine. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.